Welcome to Beyond the Thesis with Papa PhD, the podcast that delves into the diverse and impactful roles scientists can play beyond the lab. With me, David Mendez. Welcome to this new episode of Beyond the Thesis with Papa PhD. This week, I have the great pleasure of having with me Dr. Sheena C. Howard. Sheena is the first black woman to win an Eisner Award at San Diego Comic-Con for her first book, Black Comics, Politics of Race and Representation in 2014. The Eisner is considered the Oscars of comics. Sheena has published comic books for both Marvel, Illusion of Fairness 2023, and DC Comics, Fresh Air in Philly 2021 and others. She has written a graphic novel and a stage play for DMC, from Run DMC, <laughs> published with Bloomsbury, Black Comics, Politics of Race and Representation in 2014. Um, Chicago Re Review Press also, Encyclopedia of Black Comics 2017. Ben Bella Press, Why Wakanda Matters 2021. And that's why I have my Black Panther t-shirt today. <laughs> and more. In addition, her work has received numerous book awards, including an American Library Association's Outstanding Reference Sourcebook Award and more. Uh, plus the Jeopardy thing that you just mentioned uh, before the before the recording started. She is also uh, the subject of an Emmy-nominated episode of this of State of the Arts. Finally, Dr. Sheena Howard writes and ghostwrites for celebrities, CEOs, and social impact companies that seek to empower, inspire, and motivate. And today we are here to talk uh, to talk with her about this upcoming book that that she has in the works, which is all which is all about academic branding. Welcome to Beyond the Thesis, Gina. It's really, really cool to have you here today. You have a stellar uh, track of, uh, of achievements, uh, and, and I'm really honored to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I'm super happy to be here. So, um, Sheena, uh, I see. I see more people are mentioning that they've joined uh, here on on X or X Twitter. Uh, so it feels like there's interest for this question of academic branding. Uh, you, I've mentioned uh, all of these uh, books and and and, uh, and different things that you've written around comics, uh, and now this book about academic branding. Can you talk a little bit about maybe where you're coming from and where you are kind of going? forward to with this coming book? Yes. So this academic branding book is a step-by-step -step guide for PhDs and those with master's degrees that are looking to increase their visibility, authority, and income without the expense of a publicist. And there are two reasons why this book is really important to me. And one is because there are a lot of people with PhDs who are either broke broker than they want to be, or just not making as much money as they thought they would when they entered higher ed. And this is everyone from tenured professors to, to adjuncts and everybody in between. And I know for a fact that that is a tragedy and it doesn't have to be that way because anybody with a PhD uh, has the expertise and know-how to make at least six figures just based off of their area of expertise. I know when we are in academe, it feels like everybody has a PhD because everybody around us does, but we are still a very small percentage of the population and this makes you special. And because of that, you can monetize the six figures. 
The other reason why this book um, is so important to me is because there are a lot of people out here who have big platforms, can disseminate information to a lot of people who are not actually subject matter experts. And I think the world is a better place when people with PhDs, the people who have actually studied the thing and became an expert in something that is really, really, really important to them, have the know-how to be able to disseminate information to a wide population of people because the tools are there. It's just that the average academic does not know how to reach the masses because we've been in academe for a long time. And a lot of the things that we learn in academe is the complete opposite of getting visibility, increasing your income outside of academe. This is super important, especially considering, I don't know how it is where you are, but in the United States, there, there, there's a decline in the student population in, in college classrooms. Like there are not as many butts in seats in college classrooms, particularly for liberal arts universities and in some public universities. And because of that, you know, your tenure won't save you if your department closes or your university closes universities are closing at rapid rates in the United States. And it is in everyone's best interest in academe to understand how to leverage their academic credentials. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, it's super, super timely. This is, this is not a new issue, but uh, it feels like uh, more and more people are taking interest and, uh, and, uh, and putting it out there. Now, is there a, a backstory to writing this book? Is there, uh, you know, because you have your PhD experience, you've you've had colleagues uh, around you. Is there a, so- a story, be- be- you know, behind the reason of one day you waking up and saying, I need to write something about this? Yes. Well, you know, at my university, you know, one day we were called to an emergency meeting and all the faculty had to come to this room and they listed all of the programs and departments that would be effectively terminated at that moment. And so... That was the first time it occurred to me that one, your tenure will not save you because it doesn't matter if you have tenure, if your department is gone, right? And two, it occurred to me that I am a single mom and this is my only source of income. If I happen to be a person that gets laid off, I'm screwed and I didn't want to be screwed. And, um, that that's 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 the beginnings of it and then i then i went through a divorce and i had all these crazy things happen where um i became a single mom and so it was imperative for me to start monetizing this phd and all of the work and skills and accolades that i had because previous to that i got a lot of media coverage and visibility but i didn't care about the monetization part right i, I was like, like i would be on abc news and bbc or whatever but I wasn't monetizing. And so, you know, I got to the place where now I make multiple six figures. I make more money than any university can pay me. Even if I was an administrator, I I, I make way more. And so I am teaching people with master's degrees and PhDs how to do that because based on the direction of education for people that have PhDs particularly, I believe this is in your best interest to, to learn how to increase your visibility, authority and income. Of course, and I would say even if you you stay you end up staying in academe, uh, yeah, exactly. The future, you know, the the social media uh, online presence is now part and parcel of what we are as as active people in in our communities, including the scientific community, the research the research community. So if you hone those skills, they will serve you 
in academia too. I, and that's that's the way that I see it in any case. So it's a win-win. <laughs> yeah, just because higher ed is slow to change doesn't mean you have to be slow to change. And when you get media coverage and visibility for your work, it increases your, your Google Scholar citations and all of that stuff anyway, because just more eyes on your work. You know, this is something that has been covered on Beyond the Thesis a, a lot in a lot of different conversations. This question of the disconnect between uh, being, you know, a grad student, being in your PhD, and the outside world, and uh, you know, some of it is expected. It's kind of a, you know, you, you're you're digging a deep tunnel to find this diamond at the end of the <laughs> of the tunnel, which is going to be your thesis and and what you publish, but. I always try to tell people you need to keep an antenna, you know, outside to know what's happening and to get ready for whenever that that journey finishes and uh, that journey ends. Now, in your case, were you able during your graduate school journey to already start, um, and, and you had other stuff happening in your life, of course, but to already start thinking, okay, I need to prepare my exit. Uh, and and did you find any resources or support around you in academia in graduate school to help you do that or did you have to really find your own, build your own tools and find your own way to to create an exit strategy yeah i had to build my own tools and 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 that's what that's why i wrote this book so people have a pathway to do it without having to spend the 10 years of figuring it out I didn't think about an exit strategy until all of the faculty were called in that room and our departments and, and, and things were terminated or eliminated that day. And then compounded by the fact that, you know, I became a single mom and all that stuff. But I have been building my brand since I was a PhD student. Like I never, ever just wanted my work to be in the basement of a college library. It just it just didn't make sense to me. So as much as academics teach us to only speak to academics and um, that that just didn't work for me because I wanted my work to help the people I was actually researching and writing about and that was super important to me. So I was already like getting media coverage for my very first um, article publication which happened to be on um the way Barack Obama switches his language up depending on the the cultures he's talking to, depending on the races he's talking to. And that was in um, that that got featured in like a newspaper. So um, this is just getting my work outside of higher ed has always been important to me. Mm-hmm. The exit strategy was the oh, my tenure won't save me moment, um, actually being in higher ed and seeing the decline. Can you uh, can you in a minute uh, just uh, just quickly tell listeners and, and viewers what your PhD was about, uh, what what subject? My PhD is in intercultural and rhetorical communication. And I did my dissertation on a comic strip called The Boondocks, which actually um, the comic strip, most people will probably know the animated television show that was on Comedy Central. So I did my dissertation on the language and aesthetics of The Boondocks comic strip. It's always amazing to me to 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 because I'm I'm from the life sciences side of things, and uh, and you know humanities social sciences are always kind of a surprise to me uh, the the subjects that are and and how important it is to uh, explore things other than just hard science and 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 <laughs> and cells and uh, DNA etc. <laughs> now, yes, yes. Um, so 
these tools that you built, this uh, method that you ended up creating, and that you are you're actually I'm gonna I'm gonna put the link. It's a long link, but your book is going to be published early 2024. Yes, February 27th. So a couple months. A couple of months. It could be an Easter present for for a, a loved one that's doing their PhD. <laughs> uh, now, what are do you have? Um, do you have because there's so many people out there doing PhDs. They're so focused, and you know this, right? In what they're doing, there's this tunnel vision effect, and there's a kind of a, a, a mental burden of all that's going on. So. Is there, uh, for the sake of, of a podcast, which is a kind of this short uh, meeting, are there like two or three main pillars of, of, this, of this strategy, of these tools that you can share with, uh, with the viewers and with the audience? Yeah, so, so it, it's really nine steps, but if I can just truncate them, it's just build, engage, publicize, and monetize. So it's like you know, know how to translate your work for a seventh grade audience. If you can't explain your work in research to a seventh grader, you have to learn how to do that, right? Because the average reading level in, in the United States is like seventh grade. I actually think it, it got lower, right? So um, translating your work, um, thinking about your goals outside of higher ed. So when you're trying to get tenure, all of your goals, your life is built around tenure, but you got to think a little bit beyond that. Um, to like, what do you want to do outside of higher ed with your work? Whose life do you want to change? Like, why are you doing this research? Um, and then the engage part is just getting your social media strategy. Um, I, you know, I won't go into detail unless you ask, but it's just all about the media strategy, um, getting visibility, doing things like TEDx talks and TED talks, you know, getting influencers and celebrities to write for your academic books. So I've had like people like Henry Louis Gates write the forward to one of my books. I had the uh, costume um, design artists for the film Black Panther write the forward. So why Wakanda matters, like teaching people how to do that stuff. And then the publicize and monetize phase is like making six figures. <laughs> that's uh, that's amazing. Six figures, six figures is impressive <laughs> for sure, especially if you come. Because there's this culture uh, in academia of kind of a monastic culture of, you know, uh, this is not about the money. It's about the science. But yep. in the end... Uh, in the end, you know, the bills are there. You need to pay. Yeah. If you have children, you need to feed them. If you, you know, you live somewhere, you need to pay for that. So it's kind of a fallacious uh, uh, kind of rhetoric, but it's a culture that's there. It's been there for a long time. Yeah. Um, and, and that is a problem because we're, you know, that's kind of the stuff you have to unlearn if you really want to make an impact and leave a legacy and make money while you do it because. It, it, you know, you, money is important and higher ed will, will, will have you believe that, you know, you should give yourself away for free and do all these presentations and conferences for free and do speaking engagements for an honorarium, which the definition of it is no charge. So basically you're spending your gas money, your time and everything to go speak to somebody else's audience and you're actually going into debt to do it because you got to get there. You got to prepare. Sometimes you got to get on the airplane for $0 or $500. And if you look at the handwriting on the wall, that's just not setting you up for just life success, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Now, so 
we're again i'm painting this picture you know you're uh, and i've been there you've been there you're a new a uh, new graduate student you go you get into your phd program you're you know excited uh you're kind of maybe overwhelmed with all that's happening uh you may be happy that you have some funding for that um but what i what i'm getting from you is that even from day one you need to think much farther than that you, you need to kind of the overwhelm is there but you need to be strategic about your life which is not you don't live just those five years three five six years of phd depending on where you are you're hopefully you're going to live 80 plus years so this phd graduate school part should be a springboard for what comes after and not uh, a hindrance in any way uh how can you from this mindset of okay my pi expects so much from me the community my colleagues uh i i feel like i don't even have time to go visit my family how am i going to have time to think and plan a ahead for something else than tenure etc what, what what are ways to to have this internal conversation uh and and kind of setting aside some time to take care of of the future you oh i love the way you worded that the future you is super important um it's an iterative process right you don't do it all at once but you start small so if if I were getting a PhD for the first time today and I was starting from the beginning and I knew I wanted a PhD and I knew I wanted to be a faculty member, let's just say I know I want to go into higher ed and, and try to get tenure. Um, the most important thing is getting tenure, right? But within that, on, on the process of that, I would start by getting media coverage, practicing turning your the research that you're already doing into something that you can sell to the everyday person. And, you know, there's a method to this, obviously, but um, being able to sell your ideas to the media would be the first thing that I would work on and, and start getting your work covered in newspapers, in local papers. Um, start there and, and think about this in seasons. So as a PhD student, um, no, you're probably not going to be asking for $5,000, $10,000 for a speaking engagement, uh, although it doesn't hurt to try. But you, but here, here's the problem. When you are doing your PhD, people are going to ask you to do speaking engagements. When you're a faculty, people just ask you to do speaking engagements. So everybody gets a little trickle of those. The problem is people that have tenure or who have been in academe for 10, 15 years are still doing speaking engagements for $500. When doing speaking engagements for $500 should have only been a small season of your life. And that season probably was back when you were doing the PhD. So if you say, I'm going to spend three years doing my PhD and I'm going to do you know, all the speaking engagements for free or at low cost for this season, you have to understand that that season needs to end because the next season you need to be charging $1,500, do not I, I, I talked to a provost the other day, a whole provost that's doing speaking engagements for $500 and he's upset. And I'm like, listen, you should be charging $3,500 or more. You have nothing else to prove. You did the work. Higher ed has just trained you that you should be doing this and spending your own money to get to the speaking engagement. Um, so... People need to think about it in seasons and, and be clear on when they're in one season and when they're going to go to the next, right? Because I'm never going back to the season when I did speaking engagements for $3,500. I'm never going back. I'm way past that season. 
Does that mean I turn down a lot? Yes, that's fine. Um, because I'm, you missed that season. Like I went through a whole, I stayed in the season of doing speaking engagements for significantly less than what I should have been doing them for, for too long. And this is why I'm helping people to understand um, this part of it. I really, really, really love this image of seasons and of, of you kind of maturing. And so your needs and your requirements maturing too. I, I really, really love it. And it makes sense in, uh, in the, you know, in society at large, just not in the mindset of, of higher ed <laughs> usually. Uh, now uh, this, I really love it. And uh, anyway, I, I just still want to come back to the beginning of this answer that you gave me. Start getting published. This can be this can be fear-inducing. Oh, how do I get on to, into a paper? How do I, you know, how can I, how do I get published on a local on a, on a local uh, I don't know uh, magazine or 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 you know any media outlet? Can you, do you have advice on slowly you know dipping your toe in the pool and and getting the, you know get, I don't know getting in contact with the person who will will get your things published because I think it's a kind of a black box for a lot of people, including myself. I wouldn't I wouldn't know how to you know, get published in a, in a local newspaper? So, um, you know, here, here's what I think. Sometimes we let feelings get in the way of things instead of facts. And when you, if you have a goal and you want your work to be covered in media outlets or local, local media outlets, whatever, um, going back and forth in your head about your feelings about it. Oh, like these other academics are going to think negatively of me or, Oh, they think I'm just trying to be on TV or, Oh, nobody's going to want my work. To me, that is unnecessary energy. That's actually setting you back because the fact is, if you want to get media coverage and visibility, you have to start pitching your stuff. That's just a fact. If you want X, you got to do Y and the feelings of it don't matter. And so we can take the feelings and just push them aside because we because because we understand the facts of it. Then we can just start doing the work and the work involves when you pitch your stuff. You learn if the producer or the editor didn't respond, you follow up. If the producer or editor responded and said, no, thank you, you learn something and then you go pitch the next thing. Now, I teach a whole framework and philosophy around this that we don't have time to talk about, but I'll share one little snippet quickly. I call this the ladder effect. Think about a ladder that's just going all the way, all the way up. You don't start at the top of the ladder. You start at the very first step. And the very first step is local, local newspapers. Like your community, I'm not even talking about anything big. Like your little community where you live would love to hear from you. You just haven't reached out to them. They would love to know that they have a person doing a PhD and amazing work on climate change or whatever it is in their community. They want to feature you. You just never reached out. And as you climb up the ladder from local and then your local NPR. So I don't know if they have NPR, National Public Radio, where you are, but every city state has their own NPR. They want to hear from you. I'm telling you. And so then you just start climbing up little by little. And the cool thing is sometimes the local outlets like um, local Fox News or local ABC, when you get on those local stations, um, sometimes there's literally someone's job, like an intern, to look through local things so they can put you on the bigger platform. So this is how I got on um, uh, uh, Good Morning America Digital. It's, it was somebody's job to look for little local stories and they found mine and they reached out to me like, hey, I saw this thing that you did on ABC. We want to feature you on Good Morning America. So it's 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 uh, status roles because 
you can get to the next big media outlet if the previous one that you did before that is close enough to the next one you're trying to get to. So like if I'm on David's podcast and let's just say you have a thousand downloads a month, I'm just making these numbers up. And then I go try to pitch a podcast that gets 1500 downloads a month. Now I'm probably going to land that next one because they just saw I was on David's podcast this is a little bit similar. But for me, it's a little bit of a step up before you know it, you're on places like The Breakfast Club where I've been on or wherever, wherever else, you know, you want to go. So think about it as a letter. Use the previous thing as the psychological hook to get the next producer to book you. Mm -hmm. And and do you have, um, again, for people listening, do you have uh, job titles of people who usually are the people you, you contact? Because I think also people don't know this. You know, I open a... A, a, a newspaper what's the the job title i'm looking for to say okay this is a person i need to contact yeah if you want to get like if you want to get like your work featured in like a newspaper you want to pitch the editor the editor okay directly. not like not like the owner of the paper or the editor right and not even necessarily sometimes the writer because each article will have the writer's name sometimes the writers particularly you want to pitch writers that have written about things that are related to your topic. So I'll pitch people that have covered comics and branding, right? So, and you can easily find them on X, formerly known as Twitter. They're, they're all there and you pitch them. And so, so, so yeah. And then like for, for, for big shows, you're not, you're not really pitching the host. You're finding out who the producer is and pitching the producer. Sometimes you can like for, uh, for those of people watching that know what The Breakfast Club is. It's a really popular show uh, here in the United States. I got in on that by pitching Charlemagne, who's the who's one of the main hosts. And it was it was a whole process. It was a whole plan that I that I planned out and executed. And then he but eventually you have to go through the producer. So it makes more sense to just go right to the producer because he just sent me the producer's email address. And then I had to pitch the producer all over again. This is great. And, and I really like the fact that because I have a feeling that uh, a lot of us are maybe uh, more more on the introverted side, uh, us that are in research. Not all of oh, us, yeah. but a lot of us. Oh, and yeah. PhD, so like to talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> and it feels like what you're saying is start where it's comfortable. So start where the the barrier to entry is lower, like the local. And then you, you kind of slowly have this ladder effect, like you said, of going up and up the rungs of the ladder to higher tiers and higher tiers. But it's going to be it's going to be much less menacing than going straight away to the big show. Yeah, you got to you you got to use psychology and um, status roles, um, and and understand those in order to get onto the next level of the shows you want to be on. You know, at this point, I don't have to pitch people anymore, right? I did all that work. This is why I'm teaching people how to do it, and then eventually, you know, you do it enough. Do you get to the point where, you know, your your name is attached to the keywords that you want to be talking about? If someone types in black comics in Google, something about me is going to come up on the first page. I don't care where you are because I just I've done the work. Right. I, and so that's what you want so that you don't have to do this work anymore. And you can charge, you know, 10,000 plus for speaking engagements. Here's the thing. Like, here's the thing that drives me crazy. There are people that are talking about the same things that PhDs are talking about that don't have PhDs that are charging like 50,000 for speaking engagements, 20, and they don't have PhDs y'all. This yeah. is what, and I know these people because I'm, I'm in a bunch of creative entrepreneurship communities and it's like, 
I, I, I meet these people with PhDs and they're like, oh, nobody will pay me that. I'm like, I prom I know somebody that doesn't even have your credentials that is out here charging 10 times more than you. Talking about your stuff. <laughs> Talking about your stuff when you actually took the time to get a PhD. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, no. And and actually that brings me to the next to my next question that I wanted to ask, which is there is this, and we've already mentioned it, but this like kind of warped relationship with money in graduate school, in academia. Uh and we we've men we've mentioned that. And the other thing is there's this dislike or even this uh, loathing of marketing, sales, marketing, and branding. It's, I've, he I've heard people uh, in academia t tell me, oh, uh, branding, it's not, I don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. Yet here we are today talking about academic branding. Can you, can you, can you get, you know, can you talk about that? I, I see you smiling. So you probably you have something. Have a brand. You are you already have a brand. The the question is the, this is again feelings versus facts. I don't want I, I feel a way about branding. When someone googles your name, that is your brand. If you don't like what comes up, you can either just sit there and not like it, or you can control it and change it. Those are your two options. Now everybody doesn't want to increase their visibility, authority, and income. So if you're happy with where you are, great. But if you're not then you have to you have to do this work if you if you if you say you want the thing that you want. Now some people some academics are are cool like and that's great. For the people that want this, like if you type your name in Google and you don't like what comes up, you got to do something else. And that's just it doesn't matter how you feel about it. That's just the fact. And from what I hear and from what you say, you have found spaces where you are you're part of that space now. You are welcome. Uh, having a PhD doesn't make you uh, uh, an oddball or a weirdo. You're, oh, I'm weird. you're, yeah, <laughs> you're an expert. <laughs> because, because I think people also like you. Just mentioned you said, "Oh, I'm fine where I am." Some people may be saying, "Oh, you know, I chose this path. It's a path of uh, uh, humility and anonymity." And by the way, it's not you know the the I don't know media. Uh, the breakfast club. The breakfast club is not. A, it's no place for a PhD, and and you seem to be totally breaking all of those uh, assertions. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I I've went viral on Twitter a number of times, and I have I, I have people. I would never work with this person. You're charging so much for speaking engagements. Okay, well, I don't want to work with you either. Like it's like it's just like you do your thing, I'll do mine, and you everybody do what makes them happy. <laughs> Now, I I think you know everyone would gain from from uh, uh, understanding that they have a place, even if they chose to become researchers to to you know to follow a scientific endeavor for these many years and to you know to not go straight away into a job and into a career, but to do this. That they are entitled at the end of this journey of the the PhD and the researcher journey to be productive uh, members of society, but also well paid, happy, good mental health, etc. Um, uh, and we, you know, it is known that, for example, I just mentioned that mental health is an issue uh, in, uh, in in graduate school, uh, in universities, and it feels to me like. Um, they're, they're, it's it's all based on this, or it can 
strongly be based on this rhetoric of, of you need to focus on just this and forget whatever's outside. You need to not to not try to put yourself forward too much. It's all about the science. You need to not uh, think about money too much because that's not what it is about. Um, and I don't know. I I, I kind of want. I'm looking for a way to tell people who are listening and watching that all of this that we're talking about is healthy and it's it's going to make for a healthier society at large but for a healthier research community uh, and and happier people listen I, listen listen it is great to get tenure i'm a full professor i love the educational system i love learning i for a long time like i was only good at like really good at sports and really good at school I, I lucked out in which those two things are actually very good things to be really good at. Um, what I realized in becoming a full professor was that I became a full professor very young. So I started my PhD when I was 23. I had my, right, I started my, my PhD when I was 23. I finished when I was 26, went right into a tenure track job after one year of working somewhere else. And I just went straight through. So I became a full professor like before I was 40, way before. And what I realized is that this is the most I'm going to get paid for the next like 30 years of my life. Because once you are a full professor, there is no promotion after that. So I'm just going to stay at the same pay rate for the next 20, 30 years of my life. So like, and, and a lot of people would go the administration route because they want more money. That, that's not that's not their passion, right? That's not their, they're not passionate about like being an academic dean. A lot, some people are, but some people really just do it because they want the 150,000, 200,000. What I am introducing to people is a new avenue. And this avenue makes me feel good because it's attached to literally my life, mission, vision, and purpose. Like I get to be creative. I get to do all the fun little silly things that, that I always wanted to do. I get to write comic books. And I think there are enough people in this world that have passions, that have PhDs, that want to do some other things, and I'm showing them a new path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, again, the book is not out there. I'm just saying it for people who are who are uh, listening today as we're recording. But uh, you... You know, I, I asked you for kind of three three pillars. You said that you actually had kind of nine nine pillars or nine nine steps, and uh, so it kind of got got me to to think uh, these steps. You you developed them by looking back at your experience, and uh, you know clearly this. You've already told this story about this meeting where it was kind of a, a watershed moment of okay, I need to have a plan. <laughs> if if all of this goes down the drain, uh, has there been you know in all these other steps, are there one or two steps that have come also from other aha moments uh, that happened for you? Like because I, I again I'm always thinking of the audience and thinking maybe these will kind of stick with them and they'll be able to to implement them in their own journey. Yeah, uh, being called in the room, realizing if I lost this job. I had I did not even understand how to make my own money. Big problem. Two, became a full professor, understood that this is what I'm going to be getting paid for the next 20 years. Not okay with that. Three, I went through a divorce and, and I literally had no choice. Like I needed money. And so 
like a lot of successful people are running away from something and running towards something, right? The, the best motivation is when you're running away from something and running towards something. So in my case, I'm like literally running away from being broke, right? I had to move with my mom. Me and my son are sleeping on my mom's couch. I have a whole PhD. So I'm literally running away from ever being broke again. So I created the Power Your Research program because I started to learn how to make money. And the way that you make money is by helping people and not necessarily doing what you love, but doing what you are good at, right? And so, and I am running towards a better life, right? Like, like there, there's literally a life that um, I, there's a vision for my life that some of it, 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 the teaching for me is not necessarily anymore connected to higher ed. I just like teaching. And I want to teach more than just 25 kids in a classroom. I want to teach millions. And so I'm running toward a particular vision for me, but you, you can't even think about your vision for your personal life when you're just trapped in higher ed, only doing the things that higher ed tells you to do. Another thing is not really to get into the history of like the educational system, but like school was created to teach people how to be workers. Like it was, school wasn't created to teach you how to make your own money. It was literally created to teach people how to stay in line and follow directions. And like, so it's not surprising that the longer you stay in, the more you get indoctrinated and have no clue how to make your own money based on your own brand and stuff. And I, I, I'm not making a judgment about this. I'm, these are just, right. It's just facts. Um, and so, yeah. Now, uh, the other thing that I that I find interesting about your work is uh, it's not for people because a lot of uh, the conversations here on Beyond the Thesis have been on things, jobs or careers or you know life choices outside academia, and you are within, and you're you're talking to people who are in academia, and I think I think that's super super interesting, and um and and, and not not only interesting but important now. Can you share how, uh, you know, after making these choices and, and choosing this path and this, this vision to aspire to and to, to walk towards and to work towards, how it changed your, your life in academia, your academic uh, journey? I mean, first of all, I, like I'm living the life of my dreams. Like the process that I started with this five or six years ago, I, I'm I'm amazed. I'm, I'm amazed at myself. Um, and you know, I, I don't really think about academia that much, to be honest. And there's a certain privilege in being a full professor, I think, um, where right, you you've done the work, you put in the time to to have certain privileges that someone who is untenured doesn't. So let me just acknowledge that. Um, but I, I, I just, what I want to do is just so much bigger than a college classroom and my university is just unbelievable. So I don't even know how to answer that question. Cause it's just, it's just so much bigger than 25 kids in a class each semester. Um, and that's just really, that's just like, that's all I can say about it. And going back to the, to the nine points that we didn't, we didn't mention, we just, you know, just. Started talking. Are there, and we're getting to the end towards the end of the interview here, but are there one or two that are kind of easy, kind of low hanging fruit, and that someone who's just starting and who might be thinking, oh, I don't have time, or, you know, I, you know, it, it's impossible to do anything but being at the lab or whatever? Do you have any, uh, like, one or two of them 
that you can share so people can first get a glimpse of what's in the book and two start creating this this personal branding space in their lives starting today yes you actually you actually just mentioned one without probably realizing it so no tactics no strategies none of the ac actionable things that i've talked about on this interview are going to work if you don't start with mindset the very first step of the power your research program as well as the academic branding book is mindset there are high correlations between people with phds and imposter syndrome it's like the more educated you get the more imposter syndrome you have and so there are some almost universal mindset issues that all academics have now of course there are going to be some people that don't but starting with mindset first understanding that you are valuable your research is is valuable right it's financially your research is valuable um understanding that you don't need another certificate or degree or anything like that in order to go be a coach or to charge higher consulting rates right um higher ed trains us to value external validation you do get on the test you get an a right um getting your phd is about external validation someone gives you a degree and tells you you did a good job the mindset issue is that you need to value intrinsic validation just as much if not more the reason why a lot of phds have imposter syndrome is because we've been trained to to value external validation more and so the reward it has to be intrinsic right like you don't need somebody to give you an a to feel good about yourself to feel like you're worthy of charging five thousand dollars for a speaking engagement right you just value yourself right um we we phds and people that are highly educated need permission first right in order to, to ask a question we have to raise our hand and be called on the mindset thing is you have to choose yourself you don't wait to be called on right and there's just so many things you have to unlearn you know in higher ed if somebody else writes your paper that's called cheating you could get kicked out of the university for that in business it's called outsourcing which you absolutely should be doing right and so the first thing that i would tell anybody is the mindset you got to work on your mindset and, and, and understand that it is okay to not only want to to want your work to go far and beyond a university's basement it's a tough one because again we are submerged in in this high psychological pressure <laughs> you know it see see i and also just one more thing because i know we got to end you know i i don't care about the name of a university right I, i've never went to like some ivy league school right all those superficial things to me it's never about the name of the university or that kind of thing it's about what you do with the the degree right like okay so so I, and i'm also like I, I was in a phd program with a lot of people that cared about that stuff right they want right they they wanted to go to the big name school and the r1 and that's fine if that's what you want to do but but that stuff never that it wasn't it wasn't about that for me mm -hmm. right yeah yeah well and, and again different people of course will have different uh you know imperatives and and some of them will have you know a push from the family from the there's there's so many variables that can come into this but i i do you know if i look back to this uh 
you know, almost, you know, almost hour that we've been talking together, what it feels to me is that the message that you're bringing is, uh, is, uh, that the tendency of the system is to anonymize you. You get into this system, you get into graduate school and you are contributing to this bigger thing. So because of this rhetoric of you contributing to the bigger thing, the other side of the mirror is you're small. You're a small little thing contributing to this big one. Uh, don't rock the boat. Don't try to, 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 uh, to uh, put yourself forward too much. But the underlying non, you know, thing that is not said is you are still a citizen of the country, of the community where you are. And once you exit this experience, you will need to swim in that in in that pool of the community of the 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 socioeconomic context and then you'll you'll have to follow the same rules as everyone else yes right and what i'm getting from what you're saying is you can't forget you your your present you your past you and your future you when you're going through this three four five years depending again on where you are experience of being in graduate school because in the end you'll have to be catching up and you don't want to be yes. catching up after yes. all this time of working. I, I don't know if this, well, you clearly you yes. seem to be agreeing. And because the, the, the reason I really wanted to have this conversation with you is because I've had this term branding and academic branding maligned. And I think we need to forget our bad feelings about words and just think about this simple concept. You are you throughout the experience before, during, and after and you are a citizen and you are you know you're a contributor to the society throughout too so you need to be able to have a voice from that standpoint although you're also working towards being a researcher someone who publishes etc and and i think often and it was my case i know it you end up being in this in this tunnel vision thing and even starting to drop things from your life that you like to do that you to to reach this goal and i don't think it's i don't think it's healthy and i think that conversations like this are very healthy and i really appreciate that you're putting it out there uh through through your experience through your prism but um but in a very very ener energetic way thank you i appreciate you david thank you for the platform thank you for your time uh it's been amazing well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. If people want to reach out to you, I'm going to put the link here again for the future. The future link from for, for people who want to can they order the book? By the way, yeah, they can pre-order it. Yes, can please pre do. So it's on uh, Penguin Random House. It's going to be easy. It's called um, I don't know. It's called Academic Branding by Sheena C. Howard. You'll find it there. You can pre-order it. But if people were really uh, interested by our conversation, want to reach out to you. Uh, and ask you questions or or thank you for your words or whatever, what's the best way for them to do so? You can find me everywhere at, at Dr. Sheena Howard. So LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, all, all the places. Cool. Very cool. So there's another tip that Sheena is not saying, but that she's doing is use the same <laughs> the same username in all the platforms makes it makes branding it, baby it's yes. amazing <laughs> it makes it much easier it took, me a while. it took me a while to get that all situated <laughs> awesome sheena this has been a real pleasure it's been really refreshing it's always talking about money it's always 
difficult. Uh, well, depending, again, depending on the communities. But in this community that we are, it is. It tends to be difficult. And I think you, uh, I thank you for so candidly, so easily, so simply talking about your experience, talking about why you are writing this book and 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 bringing the you know the the this energy of you are worth more than just your phd than just your degree to the community out there i think it's super useful it's super necessary and uh, and i think it's just going to help raise the, uh, the 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 community at large awesome thank you for listening to another beyond the thesis conversation with me david mendez and my guest sheena howard If you'd like to support the show and help me produce more interviews like this, just go to papaphd.com forward slash PayPal and donate there. And if you want to help a little bit more, please go to papaphd.com forward slash audience and fill in the survey that is there for you and leave a comment so I can give you a shout out in a future episode. Thank you for being a fan. Happy listening and happy sharing. 